following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. So we're going to be looking at what I think of as one of the most profound, powerful, instructive statements in the entire Bible, and it occurs at the end of the Joseph story. To fully understand it, we need to have a grasp of Joseph's whole story. Uh, The problem with that is it's quite long. It takes us from uh, Genesis uh, 37 all the way through Genesis 50, which is 14 chapters. What John read was a, a good portion of that story. It's not all of it. So I wanted to summarize Joseph's story before I share this profound statement Uh, that he makes is actually it's going to be part of the summary but the way i thought i would do the summary is i have put it to verse so whether this becomes a classic or not you can decide so here we go jacob loved joseph more than any of his brothers he gave to him a special robe joseph tattled on the others two dreams he had that appeared to show that their ruler he would be His brothers, so infuriated by this news, sold him into slavery. His master, a man in Egypt, Potiphar by name, his wife set up a scandalous scene in which Joseph was framed. Sent to the dungeon for many years, God always by his side, one day to former staff of Pharaoh, their dreams they would confide to Joseph, who by God gave them a most accurate reply, the butler would live to serve again, the baker, he would die. When the butler was restored, he forgot Joseph's case, who remained for many more days in that despicable place, until it was that Pharaoh, too, had intriguing dreams of his own. The butler spoke up and explained to him how the meaning of his dreams were shown. Joseph, now all tidied up, listened to Pharaoh with care, His dreams declared what the future held, and with wisdom did Joseph share how Pharaoh should choose a wise man to organize the grain in the seven years of plenty to prepare for seven years of pain. It was during those years of famine that Joseph's brothers came to call, looking to buy food from the one who was rejected by them all. He tested them to determine if they had maybe changed and waited until the time was right to tell them his true name. Through these unusual circumstances, his whole family came to stay in Egypt, where they prospered for a great many days. When Jacob died, the brothers thought that Joseph was waiting for this time to get back at them for all they did. This must be in his mind. But to their great surprise, Joseph didn't harm them, though he could. You meant it for evil, he said but God meant it for good. And so I'd like to read the portion that has this statement, and it is Genesis 50, verses 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. 
Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring it about, bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the example of so many people in your word who knew you and whose lives reflected your, your truth and your goodness and provide for us an example of what it means to be true believers who live truly godly lives. And I pray, Lord, that as we reflect upon the story of Joseph this morning, that you would help us to connect with these words and see them uh, come to fruition in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So after all Joseph had done for his brothers, after they had come to Egypt and settled there and all the rest, um, they thought that he was only being kind to them for the sake of their father. Um, and so now that their father was dead, they thought that it would be time for Joseph to take revenge on them. And this would be a, for somebody that had gone through everything that Joseph had gone through, that uh, their brothers helped to uh, make happen. And now that he's in such a position of power, second in command to Pharaoh in, in the great land of Egypt of that day, he could have easily taken revenge on them, but he didn't. But instead he says in verse, verse 20 of chapter 50 of Genesis, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now that's something that's easy to say, but it's another thing to really mean it from the heart. And so, would, and then, so Joseph, and Joseph didn't just say it because of the way he talked to them, he comforted them, and he took care of them and their families. So Joseph demonstrates that his understanding of this, what he said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. It kept him from resentment and bitterness and enabled him to not only not take revenge upon his brothers, though he could have, but provide for them, comfort them, and speak kindly to them. So what happened in Joseph's heart to prevent him from the normal resentment and bitterness that would affect uh, many, if not most people? Um, so there was, there's actually a lot to the setup of what happened to, to Joseph. He was raised in a complex family system where there were uh, a husband, four women, and lots of children. And uh, he was one of two sons born to the woman that Jacob actually truly loved, born later on in, in, in Jacob's life. And there seems to be some hint that there was conflict between the at least him and uh him and the the his brothers born of the three other women so it's just it's, it was already complicated then on top of that he was his father's favorite and then he contributes to the situation by tattling on the on his his brothers as i mentioned in the poem and um she tattles on them, 
Uh, his father gives him this this robe. We don't exactly know what it looked like. Some translations say multicolored robe, others that had long sleeves. It was some sort of royal like robe. It was a it was a it was it it did set Joseph apart as being preferred. Um, and then after he's sold into slavery, he goes through all all various hardships there, even though God was with him and God did take care of him. But it was a very, very difficult time over a long period of time. There was a lot for Joseph to be bitter about. There were so many people to blame, his brothers, his father, and even himself. I've often wondered, did he ever stop to think of, well, maybe I shouldn't have told my brothers those dreams that I had, and which which added to the uh, added to the the situation. But there, it it doesn't seem that he invested his heart and his mind on all the what somebody's called the the shoulda coulda wouldaves, the things that he should have done, could have done, whatever, um, and what they sh- did to him. It didn't seem that he was loaded with all that resentment. But but why? Why was he not overcome with with the all those horrible memories controlling his life that would have resulted in him doing harm to his brothers when he had the chance? Well, it's contained in what he said. You know, again, in verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So first of all, let's look at you meant evil against me. Um, first. It's it's fascinating how Joseph doesn't beat around the bush when they make up this thing about your father said that you're supposed to be nice to us and all that sort of thing. Um, and it really struck him because to him, their brothers were still playing their same old game that they've always played before. And and he seeks to comfort them. It's it starts with you. You did bad. That's the Hebrew for evil is raw. It means bad. It's the opposite of good. And. He acknowledges that and he says this to him. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't cover it up and he doesn't treat it as a nothing. There's this tendency that when when people come to apologize, which they were not doing, but often people come to apologize, will say, ah, it's nothing. Oh, it's okay. When it's not. Now, there are certain things that probably don't even deserve or require forgiveness. You know, people mess up. It's no big deal. It should be no big deal. But others have done horrible things to us where people have been out to get us. They've wanted to see us fail. They've misrepresented us on purpose. People people have endured horrible physical and mental abuse by other people, parents and other people in authority, brothers and sisters. Many people have gone through horrific things. And we don't do anybody any good by pretending that the bad is not bad, even worse, pretending the thing is good. And we're going to see Joseph doesn't say that the evil that you did was actually good because of what God did. The evil that they did was evil. We need to call the wrongs done to us exactly what they are in order for us to be free from them. So freedom from bitterness does not mean denial of past hurts. We need to see uh, our past hurts for what they really are. But even though Joseph was able to call the bad bad, it's not the whole story. He also says God meant it for good. So Joseph recognized that there were actually two things going on. 
his brothers really did evil to him and God was working for good. But how do these things go together? And you'll often get teachers and, and preachers and scholars trying to show us how these two things work together. Did God cause the brothers to do the evil in order to bring about the good? Or did the brothers doing evil give God the opportunity to do the good? Well, we actually don't know. In many English translations, we read, God meant it for good, which gives the impression that you know, God took the thing and then he used it for good. But it doesn't actually say that. It's, it's really um, more along the idea of two separate statements that was saying, or were saying, the brother's intentions for Joseph were bad or evil. God's intentions for Joseph were good. The word but is not in the Hebrew original. It doesn't, it doesn't say in the Hebrew, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It's simply the two statements. They're both true. They intended harm unto Joseph. God intended good unto Joseph. They were both true. And we don't really know how they work together. And it seems to me that the people that learn to be free don't try to get that all worked out. They're somehow able to accept bad happened to me and they did it. And maybe I was part of that problem, which is a very fascinating thing about the Joseph story, that he may not have been lily white and completely innocent because of telling on his brothers, of, of sharing those dreams. Did he really have to do that? Maybe he was naive, but naive, we know from the Bible, is not a good thing. Um, but he, he didn't stew over all those bad things. They, the, the things that happen, happen. And what ha also what happened is God intended good in this situation. So God was working through the hardship, but it doesn't make God an accomplice to Joseph's suffering. Now, we might want to know, well, how does this all work? We, As I said earlier, we don't know. We could drive ourselves crazy trying to figure out how this sort of thing works. And I don't think Joseph spent that time, which is one of the reasons why he was able to be free. Realizing God's place or what God was doing in the midst of all this didn't get the brothers off the hook. As I said, he was able to call what they did evil. And yet he was able to have compassion on them. And, and he was able to have compassion on them because he had his sights on higher values. He saw that he was chosen by God to care for his family. And he didn't let the misguided evil actions up on the part of his brothers get in the way of his valuing what God was doing in that whole situation. Something that was new to me, because this, uh, this line um, that Joseph says to them, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good, um, has struck me for a long, long time. 
decades. As I said, I think it's one of the most profound statements in the entire Bible, and I, I love it because it's a if if we can capture it, we can be free from bitterness, and we can be like Joseph, and and we can get to the other side of horrible things that have happened in our lives, and be a fully functional as godly men and women. And even if we've not been like Joseph, and we should have been like Joseph, we could be like Joseph now with God's help. But as I was preparing this, there was an element to this that I never really um, took notice of before, gave a lot of, uh, of thinking to. And it's that, that Joseph not only wasn't bitter towards his brothers, he also wasn't bitter towards God. Now, a lot of people will go, well, you can't be bitter to God. How can you be bitter towards God? But because he recognized that God was working his purposes in all the mess that he was going through, it would be easy for him to say, that, you know, look what God put me through. And he didn't, he didn't, he, you know, God is God. He could have taken me out of this and he didn't. And for some great purpose of his, he he put me through this ringer and, and, a lot of people, when they go through hardships and get to the other side and even have a sense that God was with them, they make a vow. They make a vow that says, never going to do that again. I'm never going to step out like that again. But that's not what Joseph did. Joseph really lived. Somehow he was able to value God and God's love for him and God's care for him in the midst of all those hardships because God's goals and God's purposes were, were the most important thing in Joseph's life. And I think this is something that the Apostle Paul understood when he wrote the famous words, another verse I love uh, to, to quote and think about, Romans 8.28, and think about this at, with the backdrop of Joseph's story. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We need to remember the life of the man who wrote these words. Paul had been through horrible hardship because he had committed himself to the purposes of God in the Messiah Jesus. In a sense, it was his acceptance of God's call that got him into great, great trouble, trouble, and he experienced so much suffering. And yet, he was able to keep his focus on God and his purposes more than the trauma of his struggles. Now, we go through trauma, and we need to work through our trauma. We could be really messed up by the things that we go through, and we should get the help that we need. That help is going to be ultimately from God. But it, And I think part of the key is that people like Paul and people like Joseph never let the goodness of God cloud the evil actions of other people. The wrong is still wrong. The evil is still evil. But at the same time, the greater good of God is at work. And so many of us, we try to find comfort in the fact that we are, through everything, we're God's children. But we are God's children called for a purpose. We're not just part of his family. 
we are part of his family, but as part of his family, we are called according to his purpose. That's what Paul says here. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And if, if this is going to be true in our lives, we need to commit ourselves that we're going to put God's purposes for our lives first, whatever the cost. That's what Joseph did. That's what Paul did. And in actuality, this is what we're all made for. Every boy and girl, man and woman who's ever lived, who's ever lived, whether they've been aware of God or not, believed in Jesus or not, was put on this planet for a purpose to serve God and his ways in all this great variety that he calls people to. We're not called simply to exist. We're not called simply to wait around until he calls us home in the way some people uh, say, oh, we put up with our sufferings. There's a Paul in Romans 8 refers to this, that the that he considers the current sufferings not worthy to be compared to the glories to be revealed. But he's talking as one who had committed himself to the purposes of God and what God wanted to do, not simply to wait it out. Oh, this is so hard. I can't wait till it's all over. That is not the heart of, of Joseph. That's not the heart of Paul. That's not the heart of Jesus. And that should not be our hearts. Now, in terms of God using us, remember, God doesn't want to simply use us as tools and called according to his purpose. We could always, we could think of this in a utilitarian sort of way. God wants to use us and he doesn't really care about how we feel. He cares so much about our condition that his son died for our sins on the cross so that we could live forever with him in a glorious existence. And God's promise to provide for us. God's promise to take care of us. God's promise never to forsake us. God wants us to know what it means to be his children, to know him as our true, loving, dependable, heavenly father. He has purposes, but he's not like like Pharaoh using in this later story of when the people of Israel are are enslaved in Egypt. He's not our taskmaster. He is our master, but he's a master who takes care of us. And as he draws us in to a place where we are committed to his, his purposes, then we find the joy of life and the goodness of life despite the hardships because we serve a God of love and goodness. So may he help us to be free of the bitterness and resentment that so easily entangles our hearts and be free to love him and serve him and be the people that he's called us to be. Let's pray. Our Father, again, we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your word and we thank you that it prods us on uh, unto freedom that you don't want to see us trapped by bitterness, by resentment, by hatred, uh, that you want us to be free uh, to always function as your people should function. And so, Lord, please shine your light into our hearts and show us those areas of life where we've not let the past go, where we've not allowed ourselves to see your goodness working despite the uh evil things that have been done to us by others. Help us, Lord, to be people who truly forgive, 
as we'll be praying soon in in the Lord's Prayer, that we might say these words from our heart today like never before. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.